Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Kevin Dean, the CEO at Manobyte. So, Kevin, Kevin, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Tats, it is so great to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Gonna have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Now, you have a wonderful room there, and it looks like you have sharks, and I think you have a, a scuba diving hobby. Yeah, I love scuba diving. So, I've been scuba diving for a long time. Um, I've actually scuba dove in the Red Sea, scuba dove in Hawaii. And our company name, Manobite, kind of came from my obsession with the water and scuba diving. So Mano is the Hawaiian word for shark. So Manobite means actually shark bite. So that kind of is how the name kind of came about. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love it. Awesome. And I think one of your goals is to swim with sharks. Is that correct? Yeah, that is definitely one of my goals. It's on the bucket list. I hadn't dove a lot since we had kids. And I told my kids when they're 12, we'll take them and get them certified. And then once they're certified, then we'll all go dive with sharks. There's a couple of places in Florida where you can go. But I was just this week talking to a friend of mine. He was telling me about a place in South Africa in Cape Town that where you can go free diving with sharks. It's a great thing. So that's definitely on my bucket list. That's awesome. So for people that have watched Jaws and are a little scared of that thought, <laughs> uh, what... <laughs> What should they know? Yeah, so it's all made up from a movie standpoint, right? I think I, I read this interesting statistic that more people die from being hit on the head by a coconut than they do from being bit by a shark. So sharks are super docile, especially if you're in the water with them. They just kind of view you as a regular fish and they just go about and mind their own business. I think you're probably more in danger if you're in a cage and people are chumming the waters around you. They're probably going to be more excited about that than if you're just scuba diving with them in the sea. They're just minding their own business. Yeah, for sure. Now, your background on the business side is in building materials and technology. Now, I think you one of the, the main companies that I saw in your profile was Stanley Black & Decker. Tell me about that company and your role there. Yeah, so... I worked for Stanley Back and Decker for, for a little bit as a headed up digital for them, creating applications. But one of the things that was interesting about Black and Decker, it's a big company, they have lots of innovation, lots of things that are going on, big pockets for you to do lots of things. But things take a long time in a big corporation, and there's a lot of red tape that's revolved around every single idea. And even if it's a good idea or great idea, it may not ever come to life or see the light of day just based on lots of other business decisions that have to get made, which is understandable. So I actually left Stanley Black & Decker to start Manobite, which is a digital agency, channel agency, so that I could affect change and to be able to move at the speed of change and help others to be able to do so as well. Mm. And why did you, I mean, you have some, some other experiences as well. Why did you settle on building materials or the construction industry? 
Yeah. So the building material industry, it's a great industry. And I saw that there's a lot of opportunity in that space to be innovative, to help that industry really get to the next level. And there's so much opportunity. And one of the things that I would hear a lot is that, well, the building material, the construction industry, it's an older industry. It's outdated. There's not a lot of innovation. And I really disagree with that. I think that there's a lot of opportunity. One, I think there's lots of things that are being done that are very innovative. And I think that there is lots of opportunity for that industry to really be the leader in the space when it comes to innovation. The industry is never going away, right? We're always going to need homes. We're always going to need outdoor things. We're always going to need a roof over our heads. So the industry is never going to go away. And I think that what we're going to see in the future is a lot of innovation coming from this industry. And I think that's pretty exciting. And that's what I saw earlier. And that's why I wanted to get into this industry. Yeah. And what are the key areas that your firm works with companies to get better at? Yeah. So the thing that we really do, that's our passion as well, is really helping building material manufacturers create a connected channel experience. So as you know, everything in the building materials industry is sold through a distribution channel, right? You go to a distributor who then goes to a contractor who then ends up in the hands of a commercial or a residential homeowner or building facility manager, whatever that might be. And so there's multiple steps along that process. And by the time your product makes it into the hands of the person who's actually going to benefit from it, that experience is oftentimes disconnected and it doesn't reflect, doesn't always reflect positively on the brand because that experience that the brand has gets disconnected the further it gets down the channel. And so what we do is we help create a connected customer and channel experience that allows everybody throughout that entire ecosystem to grow together and effectively and have consistent and have a consistent experience. Yeah. So can you give me some examples on how that, how do you execute and create that connected experience? Yeah, I'd love to give you some examples of of how that's done. And let me start by kind of giving you a quick story of a disconnected experience. And then I'll kind of tell you how you can make a connected experience. Just one example, and you'll find this example in lots of different industries. Like lots of people over the past 18 months, we've done a lot of remodeling of projects. So we got a pool, deck, we looked at siding and windows. So when we were looking for windows, one who were online looking for windows, couldn't find pricing anywhere, which is just crazy. That's one of the first things that people are looking for is how much is it going to cost me? Couldn't find anything that would really tell me what style or what we really wanted. So you had to call someone on the phone, send them an email, whatever it was to connect with them. Then when they get in touch with you, they want to come into your house and then they want to make sure that you've got your wife there, your kids there, the grandparents there, the dog there, the cat there. Everybody has to be there in order to buy in on this experience. They walk into your house with these huge binders of paper, like who uses paper? And they want to kind of have you thumb through their options, and then they lug into your house these big, huge windows, and they've got the competitors' windows next to it, and they've got theirs, and they want to show you this big, huge dog and pony show. And so as we were having someone come into our house, tell us about their windows, my wife wasn't there because I wasn't about to have her sit through this mess. 
And I asked the guy, hey, I want to take a picture so I can share it with my wife. And the guy freaked out. He's like, what, you're going to take a picture? What, is it going to end up on face chat or something? You know, and like, face you, chat. Know, <laughs> you know, it's like one of those, it was a horrible experience for me as a consumer. And then the guy left. It was a bad experience for them. And I never heard anything else from them, right? That's a really bad experience that reflect poorly on the distributor who he was buying from and from the manufacturer. We didn't buy from that brand. And so the manufacturer actually lost out because of the disconnected experience that ended up into me as a residential home buyer. Well, that pattern, it may not be exactly that thing, happens all the time in building materials, regardless of what the product is, right? It's a, it's a disconnected experience. So what we do is we help fix that experience. And the way that that's done is through a digital experience, right? So making sure that you do things from a manufacturing standpoint, such as co-branding, doing things like through channel marketing automation, which is allowing the manufacturer to make sure that they have a connected messaging and experience that makes its way all the way down to that end user, whether it's on a residential or commercial side, and connecting that experience digitally and making it work really well for individuals and companies and everyone in the channel. So co-branding, you mean manufacturer's logo, distributor's logo, maybe a contractor's logo on materials to support the sales process? Yeah, exactly. And even going as far as making sure that you're even co-branding video. There's lots of tools out there where you can even co-brand video and to create a connected experience that really tells the story and then sharing data all the way back through that entire process using tools like a PRM, like a partner relationship management application where you can do things like having the manufacturer share leads with the actual contractor and then the contractor supplying information that makes its way back to the distributor and the manufacturer so that everybody can see what's happening throughout that entire buyer's journey and then allowing that to be automated so that it's making sure that the end user, the consumer, whether that's on the residential commercial side, get the information that they need. For instance, thinking about that window experience, we worked with another, we had another vendor come in, talk to us, and they sent to us on a regular basis information digitally about pricing. They sent us information about the company, the brand, right? They connected the experience and it was all tied all the way back to the manufacturer. So using automation to create this customized, personalized, automated experience are things that can actually help brands really create that connected channel experience. Yeah. So you talked about automation, which a lot of people are talking about. Give me some examples of uh, specific automation that helps building materials or this connected experience. Yeah. So you want specific examples of technology that's helping to do that? Yeah. Just when you say automation, what yeah. part is being automated? The coding, like what part of it is, or is the leads coming in, going into a database that goes to a distributor? Oh, like what what it. aspect yeah. of it is yeah. happening there? The entire buyer's journey can be easily automated today. So everything from lead routing to lead distribution, everything from quoting, right? To making sure that that's done automatically, everything from specifying, everything from everything. Like I think about, let me tell you about someone who's doing this amazingly at a large scale. Uh, GAF along with ABC Supply, they do an amazing example of this. 
So if you want to have your roof redone, right, the GAF through ABC Supply will allow you to go online, tell them this is my address. They'll go in and in minutes, literally minutes, they will take a picture of your house. They will tell you the specifications of your roof. They'll tell you all the materials that you need. They'll tell you um, estimated pricing based on options that you're going to choose. And you get all that information literally in a matter of minutes. So Mm. the entire buyer's journey can be automated, which we're living in a pre-post-mid-COVID world where we're still uncertain about a lot of things. And so having experiences that are digital are still very critical. And even in a post-COVID world, that connected digital experience is going to be so critical and important because now we're all getting used to that experience. And that's what we want and prefer. Mm. Now, that sort of quoting or the responses, is that the end user inputting the information, getting that detail back? Is it facilitated by a sales representative? How is that being initiated to get that quote back? Yeah. So I think there are a couple of elements. Now, each organization may be a little different. I think there is definitely times where the entire thing can be automated by having your end user put in information. Or in the case of a GAF, they just use technology to collect the information. So you can do that piece. It's a bigger investment. Typically, what we see for mid-sized manufacturers, which are who we primarily work with, it's a semi-automated experience. But what happens is that the customer, the end user is responsible for putting information. That salesperson is responsible for responding quickly to information. And typically, these are inside salespeople, not outside salespeople. And they're putting in certain information, making sure that they understand the specifications, and then using that to trigger the automation pieces that happen next. And at the same time that they're sending information down to the end user, that data is being collected and shared with others in the channel, maybe whether that's a distributor or a dealer, but making sure that you're sharing all that information to have a connected experience at every single aspect. That's one of the things that we're doing and that we're seeing, and that's really being effective. Mm, for sure. Now, for, like you said, midsize or even small companies, you touched on a little bit. What other things can a small to midsize company do to improve that client experience or to grow their business? I think that when we talk about larger companies, obviously they can invest more and there are more things that they can do. But I think that small companies and even mid-sized companies need to not have a fear of technology because they can do a lot for just a little, right? And so there are a lot of tools out there. Salesforce has some great tools that you can do some automation. HubSpot is another platform where using HubSpot for a very minimal cost, you can automate things in their workflows, making sure that you're creating a consistent automated message that reaches the right people at the right time with the right data that they need in order to create that personalized experience. And so there are things that small companies can do. They really just need to take the time to think about what's that buyer's journey look like for our customers? What are the touch points? And then where can we automate it? And the automation tools that are out there today are simple to use, they're easy to use, and it's really more a matter of 
thinking about the customer, what that journey looks like, and then don't be afraid to go out there and try the tools that are on the marketplace at a very reasonable cost. Just start experimenting and testing how it works for your company. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, definitely uh, individual. Can you give me some examples? I'm, I'm curious about HubSpot or things that you've done through HubSpot or a equivalent on making something a bit more automated or seamless. Yeah. So HubSpot is a cool tool because of the personalization and the automation and the workflow functionality that HubSpot has from that platform. And there are other tools that are similar to it that can do a lot of the same things. So we're just talk, we'll just talk about HubSpot. So one of the things that HubSpot can do is um, it can say, when someone hits our website, we know exactly who they are. And based on what pages that they're looking at on their website, we're going to send out certain email messages to them at that various phase. And so we're tracking their buyer behavior. And based on what they do, we're using that to trigger other workflows. And then when they start collecting information, like perhaps we're having them spill out a form for samples, or perhaps we're having an architect download uh, specifications, right? Based on what they're downloading, we're going to send out messages that are helpful, that allow them to use that tool or that piece of information they were looking at to get to the next point in that buyer's journey. Mm. And all of this starts with understanding what that buyer's journey is. So when an architect hits your website, what are they looking for? When they look at a piece of information, knowing what are they going to do with that information, and then providing them with the next piece of, the next tool that they need in order to be successful as they're trying to accomplish whatever they're trying to accomplish. Interesting. You brought up samples, which is an interesting topic in building materials. Can you fully automate that or do you need to qualify to some extent who you're sending these things out to? (laughs) Yeah. So we, yes, you can fully automate it, right? And the way that you fully automate it, because not only can you say, we're just going to send out, you can put in gaps and say, if these individuals, or if it's from this source, or if it's this type of person, we can say, no, we're not going to send out. We're going to send out a request for more information, right? And so there's lots of things, again, knowing who the buyer is, knowing who that individual is, and knowing where the steps you have to guide them through. And so you can automate the process, but part of the automation may not be just automatically sending it. Part of it is, oh, this is a red flag. We need to check for it. So therefore, we're going to put in these other steps in order to do that. Got it. Got it. Some verification if required. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Those are the fun things to do. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What are some other fun challenges? Because I think you like challenges that come up in the building materials industry. Other fun challenges that come up. (laughs) There's so many fun challenges that come up. I think right now, what we're seeing is a basic education, basic education. And that is um, helping provide contractors with the right information that they need in order to be successful and doing that through education and getting them to actually engage with the educational and the right specifications that they need in order to be successful. And so that's an interesting challenge because sometimes what happens is that nobody likes callbacks, but sometimes callbacks become because it wasn't installed improperly, right? And so by educating that contractor on how to properly use and install and whatever that product is, that's, that's something that is helpful for everybody. But it's a challenge because no one likes to read. 
right? So people don't like to read the specifications. So what we've heard a lot of contractors are doing is they're going out to YouTube looking for how to set up, how to install, how to use a certain product. And that's not necessarily a good thing because the information that they may be pulling up on YouTube may not be accurate for what they're trying to solve, the environment that they're currently in. And so that's, and so that becomes an issue. And so what needs to happen and what we're, what we talk to people about is having manufacturers provide more video-based content on their website that makes it easy for contractors to educate themselves, become certified or know how to service a certain product, but make it easy for them to get to it, easy for them to find it, and easy for them to take it by, and not have them go through so many hoops in order to get to that information. And so again, these challenges, while it's a different challenge from the one that we mentioned earlier, we think that they all stem back to the root of what we do, and, and that's making sure that you're creating this connected experience and that's understanding what are the problems, what's the journey that each person in that channel is experiencing and solving for that thing and making it easy for them. Mm, yes, for sure. Now, one of the topics that come up because there's a lot more online selling and sales is the possibility of eliminating layers of distribution. Now, it's not that prevalent in the building materials space, but what are your thoughts on, on that trend and how it's happening in other industries? That's, I think that it's, it's coming. It's coming, right? And I think that what's happening with distribution is oftentimes what we've seen is that distributors, they have two primary roles. Number one is they kind of act as the cash register or finance for the manufacturer, role number one. Number two, is they serve as the logistics for the manufacturer, making sure that the product can be gotten quickly and then it arrives at the job site, wherever that is at the right time. Well, e-commerce uh, does things that help to eliminate the need for them being the transaction. There's a lot of things that are interesting, like vendor managed inventory, which I think are pretty interesting. But then there are lots of tools that are out there now in services that are also handling the logistics and the distribution channel. There's a platform out there called Runner and Runner for building material manufacturers where they'll actually take and deliver whatever that contractor needs to that job site for them. So why do I need to go to my local distributor? Why do I need to go down to the lumber yard if I can do it online and have them just bring it to me, right? That solves a problem for that. Now, the tools that are out there, the services that are out there, and they are out there, they haven't hit the mass yet, but I think it's just a matter of time. And then I'm also excited about what Zorro is doing. So Zorro's, they're doing some really interesting thing from a building material marketplace where they're making it possible for contractors and builders to get lots of different materials real easily online and have it, having it delivered. And I think you're going to see more and more services like that in online marketplaces that make it interesting. I don't think that Amazon is ever going to really have a major impact on this space, but I think that there will be specialty marketplaces that will make it a lot easier for builders and contractors and subcontractors to get 
what they need without having to make that 5.30, 6 o'clock run to Home Depot. <laughs> For sure. Now, Amid, you started a business. You run a growing business. I mean, what, what have you learned over the years running your own business? Oh, that's a great question. I think the thing that I... There are two things. Two things. Number one, it's always about people. It's always about people. When you have the right people, that just makes everything better, right? So I think that building material manufacturers need to think about the future and the people that they're bringing in and look at ways to attract talent. I know that's a big topic in discussion, but if you're not being forward-looking about your talent today, it's already hurting you, right? So I think that that's something to think about. And what we've learned is always about people. Number two, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. From our standpoint, we see, we work from a digital standpoint and change comes pretty quickly. And I think that you need to be smart about how you think about change. And you don't have to always go with everything that changes. That's not a smart decision, but you have to understand what those changes mean and what that means to your strategic vision as an organization and make sure that you're planning around that change and that you're ready for change when it does come. And I think that all of us have learned that lesson over the last 18 months more so than ever. Yes. Well, people are way more open to change now than ever before. Yes. Especially in our industry where we have a lot of people who are risk adverse. Uh, I think now part of being risk averse, which I don't think that's going to change, is planning for things, right? And thinking about the change. And if you think about here are my different options, if you know what challenges may happen, and you've got a plan, you've got a playbook. Whenever it's time to make a move, you'll be more prepared and ready, at least emotionally, to make those changes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Kevin, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to cover? Oh, boy. I think we've had a lot. This has been fun. This has been fun. I think that this has been great. You didn't ask me, though, about something that people don't know about me. Oh, yeah. What do we not know about you? Yeah. So... One of the things is that I am a major Scrabble buff. Ah, yes, I yes, love yes. to play Scrabble. <laughs> I'm a Scrabble junkie. And so I know a lot of weird, obscure words that have only two letters. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of words with Q and K that only have two letters that you can use on the Scrabble board that you wouldn't use anyplace else in, in life. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, I mean, I guess... How do you become good at Scrabble? I guess, do you read the dictionary? Do you, what do you do? Like, you just go to certain letters in the alphabet and just kind of <laughs> go down? Like, I'm just curious of what training looks like for a Scrabble. For a Scrabble champion, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, what happened was when I was very young, my grandmother played Scrabble. Mm. And so she always had a Scrabble board out, out at every time. So she had a dedicated Scrabble table. So every time that from the time I was a little kid, we would play Scrabble. And when, when I was younger, I got to use the dictionary. Right? <laughs> so when I was younger, I had to use the dictionary. I could look up words. 
But then as I got older, like, nope, the dictionary went away. And so you had to learn. But so, yeah, there was a lot of memorizing these obscure words in the dictionary. Right? And then over time, it's just a matter of, and, and I think t- still today, I still pick up a dictionary every now and then when I'm just playing for fun to say, well, this is all I've got. What can I make with this? And then you come up with these crazy words. Like, so, so it's kind of fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, Kevin. And I appreciate your insight on the industry. Yeah, you're welcome. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.